At KPMG, our people make the difference. It's not just something we say, it's what we do. Combining the power of people and technology, we uncover brighter insights, innovate bolder solutions, and create better data-driven outcomes. KPMG, make the difference. I'm Jennifer Palmieri here again with my co-host, former Senator Claire McCaskill. Welcome to another episode of How to Win 2024. You know, as this year winds down, we're going to reflect on everything that's happened and how much has changed since this time last year. We have a new speaker, uh, a slate of new legal challenges against the guy who hangs out at the golf course in Florida and who happens to also be the front runner for the GOP presidential nomination, and obviously uh, conflicts abroad that are dividing people, even within our own party. It can kind of leave you with your head just spinning. Totally. And so we're pausing to take a few questions from you with mailbag. I love mailbag. We are taping this on Tuesday, December 5th in the lead up to the Christmas holidays. So keep in mind that the political landscape may have shifted by the time that you hear this. Claire, we have a lot of great questions, so let's jump right in. First question I have comes from Joe. Every four years, we come up to an election that seems like we have no choice but to vote for the best of the worst. Oh, Joe. Uh, For example, 2024's presidential election will most likely be a rematch of Biden and Trump. Why are we being forced to vote for certain people when there are obviously so many better choices out there? You know, this is not the first time I've had this question. Um, (laughs) Totally. I get it all uh, all the time. I remember I had this question when John Kerry was running for president. I had this question when Al Gore was running for president. Um, Had this question the second time Barack Obama was running for president. So I think what people need to remember is the process of running for president and the process of being president allows a lot of negativity to come to you. And because you have, there's so much money spent on trying to make everybody look bad. Um, Our media, because of the business model that is media, has a tendency to always go for the story that's negative, that either makes you mad or makes you afraid. So there's this constant stream of negativity that rubs off on the candidates. And uh, this is not unusual. There are many, many presidential elections where most Americans felt like they were holding their nose and picking one. And, you know, it's not— not their nose. Not picking their nose. Yeah, not picking their nose, just holding their nose. But (laughs) it is what it is. And, you know, keep in mind that the the system we have, why it feels like these guys are being forced upon us, you know, people are voting. Yeah. People are voting. And the the Republicans are going to vote to nominate Donald Trump. The Democrats are going to vote to nominate Joe Biden. Uh, So if there was, in fact, somebody that was much better, they would probably get those votes. So it may seem like you're being forced to vote on these two, but you're not. People are actually deciding at caucuses and at presidential primaries all over the country beginning in January. I totally hear Joe on this, right, because I do get this question all the time. But I would say if there was a Democrat who thought— that they could primary Biden and beat Donald Trump in the general election, they would be doing it. Correct. Right. I got the next question for you. Uh, This is from Mike. Mike says, I hear a lot about the importance of campaign messaging, but how is it possible to get a message through to someone behind a right-wing messaging firewall? 
For example, Biden has all kinds of accomplishments, but people who only get their news from Fox will never hear about the accomplishments, no matter how great the messaging is. Mike, I quite literally woke up thinking about this this morning. I think about this constantly. It's almost never not on my mind. The silos and the sort of parallel universes, I think that how you break through that is one of the greatest questions of our time. Uh, How facts prevails is one of the greatest challenges of our times. So this is actually a very big question. You know, there are some segment of the population that has just gone to you, right? They are the hardcore Trumpers who believe that the Constitution's already uh, being violated by the Biden uh, administration and that Trump is the only way to save anything, and they are gone to you. And then there is a segment of the population that while leaning towards Trump, or at least leaning Republican, could be convinced, and it's a small margin, but they are the people that you communicate with via local news, that you communicate with by making sure that your supporters who have family members who are undecided, that they know what Biden's done. It is done digitally. And, you know, the campaign is sophisticated enough to know how to reach uh, people where they are to get these messages to them. But it's a it's a process. Uh, there's not one answer. And it's like you have to be on every platform to try to get a little bit to break through so that people look at this and say, not necessarily Republicans that don't love Biden think, wow, everything's great in the economy, but there's a plan and it's working and he's getting results. And I think that's the most effective message you can get to break through. Yeah. And Mike, I think it's important to remember that This is what campaigns are for, is to get information directly to voters that are going to be open to voting for your candidate. And we're about to move into the direct phase in a big way. If you live in a swing state, you're going to get really sick of television ads that are going to be trying to break through that information firewall or disinformation firewall. Um, You're also going to see a lot more social media ads that are totally targeted to the people that Jen was just referring to, the people who are open to voting for them. And then you're going to see even some direct mail, um, particularly for older voters who still consume a great deal of mail. Um, My kids want to know what it is, but I think there is still in my generation a lot of people who do go to the mailbox and open the mail every day. used to just be mail and TV and radio. Now it's going to be mail, TV, radio, and importantly, social media that is highly targeted to people who maybe are on the fence or are not crazy about Trump. They haven't completely joined the cult. So have faith. Have faith. Okay. Next question is from Len. Once in a while, the Democrats mention the MAGA wing support of Russia, but it's not emphasized. By the way, my husband brings this up to me about once a day, including this morning, like why Democrats don't talk more about uh, Donald Trump's connection to Russia. Len asked, why isn't MAGA support of Russia a major part of Democrats' messaging right now? Go ahead. No, you go. I, I, I totally agree with Len. Well, so you agree with Len. So the sad thing is... Donald Trump has helped make Vladimir Putin pretty popular among his supporters, right? You know, talking about Donald Trump being too close to Russia is not the hit that it was on somebody 20 years ago or even 10 years ago. The only effective person I've seen go after him was Nikki Haley in the first debate when Vivek Ramaswamy said, I think he said something sort of supportive of Putin or at least not disparaging of Putin. And I think she called him a thug. 
or a murderer, right? You know, it's like, put it in those terms, not political terms, put it in clear terms about the character of who this person is. But what do you think about this, Claire? Yeah, I listen, he is a thug, a despot, a murderer. I think part of the problem is there are too many people in America that have forgotten these things about Putin. Um, yeah. If I were running the Biden campaign, I would figure out a way to highlight some of the things that Putin has done that should absolutely be beyond offensive to most Americans. I mean, these guys like to talk about free speech. They like to talk about freedom. I mean, Putin is the antithesis of somebody who embraces freedom. He doesn't want anybody to have freedom. He wants to make money for his oligarch friends and become very wealthy and put people who disagree with him in prison or kill him. He does it all the time. And then he just invaded this country and murdered millions of people just for living in a country next to his own. So I really think this is a point that we have to emphasize over and over again. I don't think we talk about it enough. I think the reason Trump admires him is because he wants to be him. That's why he admires him. And there's still Republicans that are offended by this. There is a huge amount of support for Ukraine funding in the Republican caucus in the Senate where they have not been completely co-opted by, as someone referred to him, quote-unquote, orange Jesus. Um, (laughs) But I I think that this bill, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, because now the Republicans Mm -hmm. are saying they're not going to support Israel, and they're not going to support Ukraine unless there is a complete overhaul of all the policies at the border. I, I don't see how Democrats can agree to that, so time will tell. Maybe by the time this episode airs, they will have worked it out. I hope so. I hope so. I don't know. I would note our our researchers here pointed out that Lynn might want to check out Senator Chris Murphy, who, full disclosure, my niece works for him. But uh, he's been hitting Republicans who are lifting up Putin as the same ones that are also trying to to destroy democracy within the United States. So there are Democrats that are trying to make this full circle argument. Okay, from Deanna. When Senator Tuberville first put forward his ban on approving military promotions, cloaking it around abortion rights, why did the Senate let this go on for so long? Why, after about three months, when it became apparent that he was not going to reverse his position, did Schumer not start bringing forward these promotions and push them forward even one at a time? In six months' time, they could have forced multiple promotions, allowing the military families to go forward with their lives. Wouldn't have that forced some of the air out of the senator's bluster? I mean, I think it's because Schumer did not want to give Tuberville that floor time and have the Senate monopolized by this. Is that right? Yeah, I don't think people realize to what extent the Senate runs on something called unanimous consent. If there's not unanimous consent on certain things uh, in terms of time on the floor and calendar time, it gets very, very difficult. So Schumer was faced with the prospect, do I give Tuberville this much runway to do this? And and by the way, they said, well, why didn't you just keep everybody there and punish them? Well, because you're punishing everybody for Tuberville. People have things they want to do in their home states. They want to go to give speeches they've committed to give. They have funerals. They have family things. No one wants to stay there all weekend, every weekend, just to cater to this jerk who is so stupid, he doesn't understand that all he's done is hurt the military. So I, I get what Schumer was doing. And the other thing is you don't want to encourage anybody else to do this. Yeah, right. You want That's the negative pressure to build up 
so yeah. that Tuberville plays a real pro- political price. Because if you don't have him pay a political price for what he's done, then what's to stop the next guy from doing the same thing? or a woman from doing the same thing. And so I think Schumer had to make a tough call. I get the frustration, but it it would have taken an enormous amount of time. These were hundreds and hundreds of nominations. And the other, they did pick a few to go through, like the, the you know chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff yeah, and, the, yeah. and commandant of the Marines. So some of the key leadership positions they did do. But yeah. how do you pick among the hundreds? What families, what do you allow everybody to send a letter why they should be the one that should be brought forward. <laughs> it's very hard to do that, too. And I think the military was loath to do that, to say we, these are the most important ones and these aren't important, because what kind of message does that send to these incredible leaders that are um, getting promoted into big positions of responsibility? So that's why I think that, you know, finally, he got the Republican Party to turn on him. That's a yeah. big deal. And they're going to get them through, and they're, I think they're going to get them all through before Christmas, January at the latest, is my prediction. It was amazing when Schumer did force a vote on the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. Tuberville's response was to say, well, like, why didn't you call my bluff before? Why didn't you do this before? Just to re- reemphasize the lack of thinking that has gone into this. Okay, so this next question actually came to us from a voicemail, so let's listen to it. This is Mary Ann from Howell County, Missouri, in the South Central Ozarks. And my question for Claire is about what's happening in Missouri with the Republicans, mainly our Attorney General and such, having a constant battle over getting a constitutional amendment on abortion. They're fighting it left and right, and I want to know what she predicts is going to happen with this, because the time is running out for getting eventual signatures for a ballot measure. And basically, people don't trust Republicans. They may say 15 weeks, but look here in Missouri. Within minutes of Roe and Wade being turned over, they made it so you can have no abortion under any circumstance. And they are fighting a constitutional amendment the whole way. And I'm afraid that they're giving a playbook for others. And dear Claire, give us some advice here on what we can do to end this and get that constitutional amendment. By the way, I canvas for you, Claire, and I love you. Thank you. Oh, sweet Marianne. She is in a, she's in difficult territory. She didn't have to tell me where Hal County was. I know where Hal County is. If she was canvassing for me down there, she had a lot of doors that weren't friendly. And by the way, the main town in Hal County is West Plains, Missouri. And I'll give you a little country western trivia. Does anybody know who is a, a country western star that comes from West Plains, Missouri? Merle Haggard? No, this is the man who gave Dolly Parton her start. His name is Porter Wagner. Porter Wagner, Dolly Parton appeared on the Porter Wagner show for many years before before she became a star. So, okay, so here's what's going on with the initiative petition in Missouri. And this is going on in a lot of states where they are working very hard to get this stuff on the ballot next year. The problem in Missouri right now is we have an attorney general and a secretary of state who are trying to make their really extreme position on abortion the norm in our state. She's right. There's no exception for rape or incest. Quote-unquote, life is protected from conception. There are arguments that can be made that the Missouri law actually impacts some forms of birth control because anything that stops 
Uh, The implantation of a fertilized egg is illegal. So it is really an extreme law. There are some exceptions for the life of the mother, except that no abortions are going to be performed in Missouri. This is going to be where the doctors are just going to say, hey, we can't do it in Missouri. And they're not. Everybody in Missouri is now going to another state. Thank God for both Illinois and Kansas. But I think this will pass if the right measure gets on the ballot. But of course, this happens sometimes. We have two factions fighting over what version goes on the ballot. Oh, on the Democrat side or on the choice side? Yeah, Mm -hmm. on the choice side. So what's going to happen, unless those two sides get together, I have a hard time believing they will get the resources. It should take probably at least $5 million to get something on the ballot because of the way you have to collect signatures in Missouri. Uh, I, I think it's very hard if these two camps don't unite with one language they can both agree on, and the time is running out. So I think we will have an IP on the ballot in Missouri. It may not be next year, but maybe this will be a lesson for everybody to get together at the beginning and quit fighting among ourselves in a state that literally has the most extreme laws in the country. I mean, having the choice community split reminds me of the dangers of third parties and how they split votes. You know, and because we're very focused on the impact that third party candidates can have on the 2024 election, I would note that recently it was announced that RFK Jr. now has a super PAC to fund him getting on the ballot as a presidential candidate in all the states. So this means dark money, undisclosed money, secret money, unlimited amounts he can use to to get himself on the ballot. So that means we will not know who was trying to fund RFK getting on the ballot. And let me tell you something. If RFK gets one percentage of a vote, 0.5 percentage of the vote in the state, 2 percent of the vote of the state, that could be the difference. So this is a very big development and something we need to watch. Yeah. yeah and they announced he had $10 million he was going to spend in 10 states getting on the ballot. And some of those are really important states like Colorado and Arizona. So it is a, a huge problem. And we don't know who it is, who's doing it. It's, you know, so scary. Thank you for those great questions, but we're not done yet. After the break, we're answering more of your questions. Stay tuned. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. We're back answering more questions from listeners. Next question comes from Alex. It seems to me that Donald Trump barely won in 2016 in no small part due to Vice President Mike Pence being on the ticket. This is a good observation. I recall clearly that Pence was the establishment counterweight that made the Trump campaign viable. By 2020, with all that had happened in the intervening years, Pence's evangelical GOP establishment base couldn't overcome the crazy train and Biden won. Who on earth is Trump going to get as a VP candidate in 24 to come close to balancing the ticket or bringing on board more independent voters? And why isn't this a main talking point among GOP candidates and every Democratic surrogate? 
Well, I think that the short answer is Donald Trump cannot imagine that it makes any difference who he picks because it's all (laughs) about him. He really, uh, he picked Mike Pence because he liked the way he looked. He would argue that Pence got him anything other than denying him the opportunity to rip the Constitution to shreds and overturn the will of the voters. And that's what he's going to keep saying to his folks. And Pence is now a pariah in the Republican Party. And by the way, I think it's I think we ought to do an episode on this, frankly, what's going yeah. on in the evangelical movement, because Pence was their standard bearer in the Christian Republican evangelical movement. Pence was it. And he's now getting booed at Ralph Reed's gatherings, who has been one of the stalwarts of the evangelical right movement that has now been completely usurped by MAGA. And there is some real concern, I think, among many evangelical ministers that people have kind of forgotten what the New Testament says. They've forgotten Jesus's teachings because there are so many things about Trump that are really in direct conflict with the teachings of Jesus Christ. So I think that He's going to pick somebody who he thinks yeah. look good and will do whatever he says. Yeah. I don't think he's going to try to appeal to independent voters. He's not trying now. He just thinks he can keep his base hyped and amped up and excited and just completely lie about who Joe Biden is and his integrity and, you know, just win by default because of disqualifying Biden. Um, it's not a bad strategy for a political campaign. But it's not something we can admire because it's being executed by none other than the guy at the golf course. I do think Alex is right that in 2016, that Penn standing at his side did sort of reassure, you know, evangelical voters that were uneasy about Trump at, at, the, at the time. But like now, I think, I don't know, Marjorie Taylor Greene, apparently her whole book is about why she should be the running mate. I have ordered it because I, I want to understand that woman. Um, so I'll report back about that. Okay, wait, um, wait, but I wait, think... wait, 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 wait. We have to do an intervention wait. here. Okay. <laughs> I ordered Marjorie's Wait, book. wait. Yeah. Yes, we have to do an intervention. Uh, we got to get you help. You do not need to understand this woman. <laughs> this is not something you need to spend one tiny brain cell on. I am going to come and get you and find that book. And take it out of your grasp and not allow you to read it. She's, it's very simple. She's not well. She is not well. In fact, the book can just say it just should be one page that says, Marjorie Taylor Greene, my life in one sentence, I am not well. And that's all you need to know about her. And I am very disappointed, Jen, that you bought that freaking book. I bought book. it. I bought it. I bought it. Because uh-huh. like what I, 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 she is, that is true what you say. But people, you know, like I spent a week in her district and people love her. And you want, you know, I want to understand like where that is coming from. Right. Anyway, it could be Marjorie Taylor Greene. It could be Carrie Lake. It could be Tim Scott. It's someone who's going to round. Won't be them. Won't be them. You don't think so. Oh, interesting. No, I don't think so. I don't think he's going to do that. All right. Well, we need an episode on this, too. Okay, this question is from Ram. There is one item that is draining Biden supporters energy and enthusiasm for people like me. And I need help. No, I am not, quote, not voting for Biden, end of quote, but something is sapping my energy, and I'm not sure if the Biden campaign realizes this. I turn on my computer and I get bombarded with negative news about Biden's age or polling or whatever. I also notice that some of the websites are untrustworthy. How do we prevent this? Can Democrats put out counter websites that combat these fake polls and news? Yes, Yes, they can. And you made this point earlier in the show that the campaign is just getting underway. 
right? We're, we're like a year out now. We will see that kind of messaging. We will see really tough stuff defining Trump and the huge threat that he poses, even worse than last time. But you will also see messaging that is going to be inspiring about what this president has accomplished, his experience, why he's uniquely able to meet this particular moment, even with his age, partly because of his age. You will see all of that. Human nature, friends, the negativity breaks through early and easier. um, But over the course of the next year, we will get to that point where people are feeling inspired by voting for Joe Biden. You also need to understand that there are two challenges the Biden campaign faces. And one is getting correct information targeted to those swing voters. But I think what this question emphasizes is that they've also got to really worry about motivating the base. Uh, They have to worry about making people feel good about working on his behalf. Now, I actually believe, and uh, for Ram, you should know this, a lot of that is going to be done by making sure you understand how bad Donald Trump truly is, uh, how dangerous and scary a second term will be. People don't realize the things he's saying that he's going to do right now because he's saying it on true social, which most sane people don't follow. And he's also saying it in rallies. And those rallies aren't being covered like they were back in 2016. So people don't realize that he's off the rails. So there will be better communication that will make you feel better, Ram. Just hold on and keep the faith. Um, Okay. This is from Carolyn. Why isn't someone regularly publishing lists of how much each member of Congress is receiving from the primary lobbyists, especially the NRA? Is that possible? Well, there actually are some lists like this. Um, I would recommend Open Secrets. If you just Google Open Secrets, there is an awful lot of information that has been gathered. You can put in any member of Congress, any senator, and it'll tell you what his top donors are, what groups, whether it's trial lawyers or oil or business executives or NRA. Uh, There are a number of lists that have been published about NRA contributions. So if you just Google somebody you're curious about and put NRA in there, you're going to come with articles that will tell you the extent of the money they've given. Um, You know, the pharmaceutical industry is very busy right now because Biden has actually made progress with the pharmaceutical industry for the first time. Uh, You know, I was constantly trying to get stuff out in the open about the pharmaceutical industry a lot of different ways when I was in the Senate. People don't realize the kind of money they spend in the PACs for candidates. Speaking of secret money, you know, that's when Mm -hmm. I used to say in my campaign, if you only knew who was funding the campaign against me, it would make you like me better because (laughs) you would realize the people who want to take me out are exactly the people that should be brought to heel and they should be exposed for some of the things that the law does to protect them and enrich them and make them wealthy. So um, that's out there. So uh, just let your fingers do the walking 
except not in the old-fashioned yellow pages, for those of you old enough to remember that phrase, but on your keyboard. And and like I say, start with open secrets. I think you'll be surprised how much is there that you can learn about your member of Congress or your senator and where they're getting the bulk of their money from. Okay, this last one is really fun. This last last one is fun for you from Sherry. My question is about football, not politics. Claire is an avid Kansas City Chiefs fan, so I know she must have an opinion about the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey romance, and she'd love to hear about it. Okay, so I started out thinking it was just kind of a stupid thing. Because um, you know I, I, Travis Kelsey, right? You're, yeah, you're, I mean, I, I, I don't want to make it out like we, like, you know, hang out or talk to each other. But certainly, I I know Travis Kelsey and his career, frankly, much better than I know Taylor Swift's. Now, my daughters are not <laughs> happy about that. Uh, they did uh, cajole me into taking them to a Taylor Swift concert at Arrowhead, where famously, Travis Kelsey tried to meet Taylor Swift. <gasps> And he was there the night we were there, and he was trying to get her number. He had made a friendship bracelet for her with his phone number on it. (laughs) And he wanted, those of you that are Swifties, know what these bracelets are. He wanted to trade bracelets with her and give her his phone number, and she would not see him either before or after the concert. So he talked about it on the podcast with his brother, and lo and behold— it happened. And I, I do think what you're seeing is Israel. I think they like each other a great deal. I think they are both classy. They're both professional. They're both very smart. Uh, they're both very successful in their fields. My sense is that they both could use the support that each one is giving the other because of the fields they're in and the amount of attention they get. It's a whole new world for Trav, though, because this Man, isn't the kind of attention yeah. he's used to. Now, the funny thing is Patrick Mahomes is happy about it. He goes, for, for now it's not all about me. Because, yeah, um, you know, Patrick Mahomes got outsized attention because of his outsized talent. Now, I do say this to all the Swifties out there. I need you all to be thinking positive about the Chiefs now because we are really worried <laughs> The fact that we lost a Green yeah. Bay, uh, I know, you know, was not good the other night. I so, wasn't going to uh, raise our, it. Our easy path to the playoffs just became a little more complicated. I have faith, and uh, hopefully, all the Taylor Swift fans will add to the fan base in a way that will lift our Chiefs once again into the Super Bowl for the third time in four years. I'm fascinated by this story because, you know, as you know, I'm fascinated by the NFL. I mean, it is the dominant cultural force in America period. And the only, like, one of the few things that can match it in intensity, if not quite breadth, is Taylor Swift. (laughs) And so you have these, like, just, this is a cultural phenomenon. These two, I mean, major dominant forces in American culture coming together in this one relationship. Like, I know some people are tired of it, but I just find, I just find that part of it fascinating. And I just love talking football with you. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with much more. If you have questions for us, uh, you can send it to howtowinquestions at NBCUNI.com or you can leave us a voicemail at 646-974-4194 and we might answer it on the pod. The senior producer for this show is Alicia Conley. Jessica Schrecker and Ivy Green are segment producers. Bryson Barnes is the head of audio production. Paul Robert Mounsey is our audio engineer. Aisha Turner is the executive producer for MSNBC Audio. And Rebecca Cutler is the senior vice president for content strategy at MSNBC. Search for How to Win 2024 wherever you get your podcasts and follow the series. And Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Aww. <laughs> Merry Christmas.
The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.